0: I do hear a, a lot of uh, strange things, like they're found in uh, glacial ice. That's not true at all.
1: Wait, wait, so hang on, I'm, I'm already wrong about the glacial ice? Welcome to The Creation Today Show,
0: where we bring together interviews with experts and solid Bible teaching. Your host, Eric Hovind, affirms the ultimate authority of God's Word,
1: the truth of creation, and why it matters to you. Today, we are going to Siberia to find out what happened to the mammoths. We've all heard of the Ice Age, right? And most of us know about the woolly mammoths. Big question is, what happened to them? Why are there not just thousands, but millions buried in the Northern Hemisphere? It's going to be cold, but we're going to find out. So let's go on this journey together. To do this, I'm bringing in my friend Michael Ord to give us the science And the truth about these amazing beasts. Michael Ord has a bachelor and a master's degree in atmospheric science from the University of Washington. After 30 years as a meteorologist with the U.S. National Weather Service. By the way, we're going to have to find out how often he was accurate on that. uh, He actually retired and is now fully devoted to researching the compelling evidence for Noah's flood and the post-flood ice age. Mr. Ord. Welcome to the Creation Today Show. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. I can't wait to learn what I don't know about these mammoths. We're going to some cold places, so I'm ready. I've heard some crazy ideas, some crazy facts, and uh, we're coming to you for the truth about the woolly mammoths. Can you hook us up with uh, the truth today? Uh, Yes, you you do hear a a lot
0: of uh, strange things, like they're found in uh, glacial ice. That's not true at all.
1: Wait, wait. So, hang on. I'm I'm already wrong about the glacial ice? That's that's not true? I, I don't need this stuff?
0: Yeah, not in glacial ice.
1: Okay. Well, rewrite my education on the mammoths. Okay. I did watch Ice Age Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3, so I think I got the basics down, but fill me in on what I might not know.
0: They are found in permafrost, which has a lot of ice. Maybe that's where they get the ice idea, but there's a lot of... Uh of um, what's the word I'm looking for, Um, misperceptions, that's the word I'm looking for. Okay, I'm going to talk about, there's many mammoths associated with, many mysteries associated with the woolly mammoth, especially in Siberia. And they're unexplained by mainstream scientists. One idea that started with uh, uh, Baron Cuvier was a quick freeze idea, but that's not likely when you look at the data. And the evidence points to extinction at the end of the post-flood rapid ice age. And the post-flood ra- uh, rapid ice age, deduced from the Bible, can account for the, the many mysteries. So there's there's a typical woolly mammoth. They're not very big uh, elephant type, types, uh, but they had three types of hair. The outer hair was about a meter long. The, the tusks curved inward. They had a hump on their head, hump on the back of their uh, the back and uh, they uh, sloped, um, the, the back sloped down instead of being more straight. Anyway, uh, we're going to talk, focus in on Siberia. So a little geography lesson first. This is color coded for height. The green is our low elevations. And you're looking at Western Siberia, west of the Ural Mountains, um, if you can see my cursor, it's right in there, and these high areas, the south are the high Central Asian mountains, and we go into the east, uh, the lowlands, the green area, are more near the coast, right in here. Now, here's the famous uh, New Siberian Islands, where there's a huge amount of mammoths on there, and uh, so that's Siberia, the lowlands, and most of the map certain, are, uh, are located close to the Arctic Ocean. Anyway, there was a the question about whether they really were cold adapted. Some people thought they couldn't. They had to live in a tropical environment, and suddenly they ended up in a cooler environment and froze instantly. That's been one wild idea. Um, but the more we know, the more we know they're cold adapted. For instance, they had long hair, small ears, an anal flap. And oil glands in their skin, for a long time, they thought there wasn't any oil glands, sort of like the African elephant. It has no oil glands, but they had poor samples back then. But now they got better samples of, of uh, in the carcasses, and they do have oil glands in their skin. Otherwise, they couldn't survive up there uh, in the far north without oil glands. But there's many mysteries with them, and here is a list of those. The bones and tusks are in permafrost, permanently frozen ground. Now that permafrost has ice wedges and ice lenses in it, so a lot of there's a lot of ice in it, um, but it's still permafrost, permanently frozen soil. The bones and tusks generally are well preserved, indicating rapid burial. And then we found frozen carcasses. And how'd they get in the permafrost? Did, were they rapidly jammed into it? Hmm. And also, they've been analyzing the stomach contents of some of them, and it's only half digested. So those are some of the mysteries. And here's a little quote from Henry Holworth, *The Mammoth and the Flood*, written way back in 1887. And by the way, this is this was a tsunami flood. This was not the Genesis flood. He says, "Now, by no physical process known to us, can we understand how soft flesh could thus be buried in." ground while it is frozen as hard as flint without disintegrating it. We cannot push an elephant's body into a mass of solid ice or hard frozen gravel and clay without entirely destroying the fine articulations and pounding the whole mass into a jelly. Nor would we fail in greatly disturbing the ground in the process. So, how'd they get into the permafrost, the permanently frozen soil? One of many mysteries. But, how many woolly mammoths are we talking about? Just a few. That wouldn't be such a big mystery. Or are we talking about millions? Well, I've gone to the experts and what they wrote. And they unanimously write that the amount of bones and mainly woolly mammoths, there's 40 other types of mammals found there too, but they're mostly mammoths. And they're in the millions, tens of millions. So it is a major mystery. I'm like, so, I've, I've seen, I've
1: seen the movies that show a tidal wave coming and New York freezing instantly. And I'm like, okay, is there, is there any like reality to like, well, I guess you're going to get into what you think actually happened, but I'm like, okay, I've seen some of the movies of some crazy freezing happening with people freezing in places. Is, is, is that what we're thinking? Could have happened? I'm,
0: I'm, Curious where no, you're gonna go. With first it. of all. <laughs> um, you must have seen the movie The Day After Tomorrow or something similar it. to that. That's yeah. Pretty wild, um, and and just totally unscientific. Uh, first of all, it's hard okay. to freeze seawater. And secondly, you don't freeze the mass of water into a big ice, pile of ice uh in a very short time. So there's a lot of problems with these ideas. But anyway, that was Henry How's idea, big tidal wave or Actually, it's a tsunami came in and and did it. But anyway, it's an old idea. Okay. Anyway, those are just some of the main mysteries. But there are other mysteries. First of all, there's a wide diversity of animals. Some love the cold, like woolly mammoths, some love the warmth. And there's uh, actually burrowing mammals and beavers and even ferrets up there. Most mammals were grazers. In fact, practically all of them that we find are grazers. They eat grass. Wildlife specialists would consider them well-dressed giants. In other words, they're pretty healthy. And most of the large mammals went extinct at the end of the ice age. 66% of mammals over 100 pounds, 42 kilograms, went extinct at the end of the ice age, including the woolly mammoths. Oh. And so that was a big problem. And some of the mammals that didn't go extinct now live much further south in warmer climates. So this presents an environment in Siberia that is uh, perplexing to uniformitarian geologists. And um, we can make some deductions from the the data of the, of the animals. It had to be a grassland with a wide diversity of plants. See, every animal uh, needs a certain uh, type of plants, and so you have to have a wide diversity of plants for a wide diversity of animals. And this grassland was called the Mammoth Step by uh, Dale Guthrie, who uh, used to uh, be a professor at the University of Fairbanks, University of Alaska in Fairbanks. And he um, called it the Mammoth Step, now it's spelled S T E P P E, that's a climate zone. Where you get a lot of grass because of a wet spring and then it dries out in the summer and fall. That's a steppe climate. And that's the type of climate they lived in. In fact, that was a type of climate all over the northern hemisphere during the ice age. And that's what it was like in Siberia. Also, for that those that kind of plants, the white diversity, you need a fertile soil. Unlike today. It's a marshland up there today. It's not it's not very fertile at all. And to be a high quality habitat. Competition between animals had to be light and a long growing season. Wow, that's quite different than Siberia today. Here's more. That means snowfall had to be light and melt early, had to have milder, relatively dry winters. In the summer bogs that are, are ubiquitous in Siberia, it would have to be rare. And all this implies little or no permafrost until the end of the Ice Age. Now, that's a radical uh, environment, and that's where yeah. the woolly mammoths lived. Yeah,
1: I'm going, okay, how do we explain that if it's so different today?
0: Okay, I'm going to get into that. But I need to point out one of the pieces of evidence for lack of permafrost. This is a graph of the saga antelope. Um, the recent, is a... Uh, in that uh, solid line, and uh, Ice Age are the dotted, or not, excuse me, uh, one's historical and one's um, current. The solid lines are current, the dashed lines are historical. But during the Ice Age, they're found where you find those dots. They're found wow. in Central Siberia, uh, New Siberian Islands, uh, northern Siberia, uh, lowlands of Alaska, northern Yukon Territory, that one at the very top right. What does this mean? Well, Saga Antelope uh, needs wide open prairie with no permafrost. has small hooves. and can't handle permafrost. One of many pieces of evidence for lack of permafrost, at least for a while during the Ice Age. And that's why the woolly mammoths and all those lived up there. But that's not all. When you look at some of the bones and carcasses, some were found standing upright, huh, as if they fell in a bog. But a lot of times, the sediment around it is not bog sediment. Five animals are known as, uh, as suffocated by the condition of the blood in the carcass. And b- b- bones have been broken. In fact, big bones, like the barisavaca mammoth, that's uh, world famous that had a broken pelvis, ribs, and a broken front leg. And we're talking, these bones are
1: massive. These aren't something that would break easily.
0: Right, exactly. A lot of them are are large. And the new Siberian island bone beds are just chock full of bones. And the lowlands of Siberia, as well as Alaska, were not glaciated. That's a major mystery of of, uh, glaciology. So... We have a lot of mysteries to explain. Can we explain them? Uh, I want to give you a quote uh, of the, the talking about the mystery of why a lot of them are found standing up. Brandt, who was an early uh, Siberian explorer, he was very much impressed by the fact that remnants of the mammoth, carcasses and skeletons alike sometimes were found in poses which indicate that the animal had perished standing upright as though they had bogged. But wow. a lot of times it's not bog vegetation. And here is one instance. This is a cellar can horse is found in a general standing position. And this is Dale Guthrie's uh, narrative on how he thought he explained it. First of all, that uh, one on the bottom right is how they found it. In a gold mine, it's as sticking out from the top. So they used to put the lamps on to light their way. Scientists found out about it, dug it up, it was under 26 feet of debris. So their scenario is that, well, it fell in a bog, feet first, tried to get out. Oh, by the way, it's headless. (laughs) So just his head was sticking out and a cave lion came by, ate off the head. And so it was headless and more debris piled on top to, to where you, that's what you see today. That's how he had explained it. But in general, it's in a standing position. So woolly mammoth extinction is a major mystery of mainstream earth science. It's been a mystery for 200 years. And here's a quote from Larry Agenbrod and Lisa Nelson in the book called Mammoths. And the biggest mystery, there's several mysteries. About, uh, you know, why, why would they even live in Siberia? What would they eat? Especially how they died. And he, and they say, why did mammoths disappear from the Earth? Now, not only Siberia, they were in North America and Europe. Why did they all disappear? And he says, this question remains one of the great unsolved mysteries of the past. So there's uh, three categories of mammoth extinction hypotheses. These are general categories. The uniformitarian approach, which believes in present processes over millions of years, I'll get into that. Then we had a a number of speculation from a lot of uh, popular writers, non-creationist catastrophists. Emmanuel Velikovsky probably being the most famous. And then we have uh, creation catastrophists. And we're divided on the issue. Some say it's a quick freeze early in the flood. And I've only heard one person say it's a quick freeze at the end of a post-flood rapid ice age. And I don't know anyone. Now, I heard this long ago, so I included it, but I'm not going to get into it. Or C, a slow to moderate freeze at the end of of the post-flood rapid ice age. So, in general, it's between A and and C. That's where creationists uh, stand right now on the extinction of the woolly mammoths. So, we're going to have
1: is it different data points that are making them go, no, I see it as this quick freeze early in the flood versus, is it is it the atmospheric stuff that you talk about that would have led to the ice age that's trying to make them, what is making some people land on one side, some on the other?
0: Uh, they're, they're preconceived ideas. <laughs> okay. Um, which I, uh, because of a certain model out, um, uh, a certain person has to put them dying in the flood early in the flood by a quick freeze. That's sounds pretty different. But I've examined the data a lot, and I I'm totally against that idea. And I'll give the reasons why coming up. Okay. I believe it had to be a slow to moderate freeze at the end of a post flood rapid ice age. So let's just talk about the uniformitarians first. They downplay the number of mammoths. Also, they admit maybe a little warmer during an interglacial or much colder during a glacial phase of the Ice Age, which, in which case all those are problems because if it's warmer, it'd be more of a a bog land. If it's colder, it'd be all frozen. What would they eat? So... (laughs) They got major problems. And here's a little quote by a, a uniformitarian sci- scientist in the journal Science. He said the holy mammoth data can be adequately explained by the everyday processes which we can observe around us. In other words, uniformitarian present processes. But as I showed you, the data indicates a radically different climate. That I believe that uh, the uniformitarian scientists are clueless because
1: of their paradigm now when you say uniformitarian scientists you're talking about an evolutionary worldview old earth billions of years no global flood and if you don't have the global flood you're going the data doesn't add up we can't under normal conditions this doesn't happen you have to have a major catastrophe to
0: start something or to do something exactly and uniformitarianism especially focuses on present processes we see going on today to explain all the past, the rocks, the fossils. They can even tell you the, the paleoclimate based on the rocks and fossils. <laughs> so anyway, yes, I think they're clueless. and uh, But the the data indicates a radically different environment. So they really have three main problems. Why live in Siberia in the first place? Even if it was a little warmer or a little colder, which they they sometimes will bid. Winters today are bitterly cold and dark. And it's a marshland in the summer. How would they get around in a marshland? Imagine millions of them trying to negotiate a uh, bog land. And then they got the problem of what to eat. Uh, there's no green vegetation until July. And the bog vegetation is partly toxic to uh, Grazers. As the vegetation's frozen for nine months, so they got problems. Then how they died, they became buried in permafrost. These are the three main problems they have. So I think they got a lot of problems and and I haven't heard any of any of them address it in years, these things. It's kind of one of those many issues they have in all areas of science where it doesn't seem to add up, but they kind of uh, ignore it. I've seen them just yeah, brush.
1: Brush it under the rug and pretend like it's not really a problem. We're good here, even though none of the data supports their model of of uniformitarian
0: geology and climate and things like that. Wow. Yeah, there's a lot of examples like the the idea of the formation of coal in some big swamp. That there's so many pieces of evidence against that idea. But I don't want to get off on that rabbit trail anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And they have lots of problems and they either ignore it or add a new hypothesis. Anyway, when you think of the elephant dietary requirements, man, uh, like if it's anything like an elephant today, it requires 400 to 650 pounds of feed a day, 35 to 50 gallons of water a day. How are they gonna do that up, uh, obtain all that in Siberia? So big problems. So you
1: calculated tens of millions of these things each needing that kind of quantity, you need a very lush land that is really growing lots and lots of vegetation and has plenty yeah. of water available. Wow. Yes, mainly grass. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah. And and are the mammoths actually related to the elephant? Do we know or is there actually like in the 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 genetic makeup or in the when you if you think about what AIG did with the, what's it called when they the the original kinds of berminology, the original yeah. kinds of cranicides? Would they have been related,
0: or do you think this is a separate kind? Oh, yes. Um, we know that the Colombian mammoths, which generally live south of uh, where the woolly mammoth, but there's inter- their boundaries, The boundary is there's both of them a lot of times in that boundary area. But we know that they are essentially the same uh, species. They okay. just get different names because the Colombian mammoths is larger, for instance, and less hair some differences. But I and other creation scientists have come to believe that uh, elephants are very unique shape-wise. So it's very likely that the elephant types are all in one kind. And this is at the order Proboscidea level, at the order level, which means that the two uh, elephant kinds that were on the ark probably had the genes for Diverse, uh, becoming diversified after the flood in uh, mammoths, mastodons, and various types of elephants. Wow. So very I think cool. they're, they're all related and they're all in the same kind uh, at the order level. I believe the, the average kind is at the family level, but that's just an average. But in the case of the elephant kind, it's, I believe it's at the order level. And by the way, this has to do with their their uh, their classification system because. They could have uh, classified the elements at the family level. Could have been, say, the order proboscidia, Could have been the family proboscidia. So there's a lot of, I find, subjectivity in all this taxonomy stuff. But uh, we just—that just... that is
1: very true. It's kind of, a, it's man kind of looking at it, going, ah, let's throw this in here, let's throw that one there, and there's not a, it's not a hard and fast rule there and that's that by the way that that frustrates me mike i don't know if this frustrates you when people take our modern classification system and how we've classified and say oh the bible doesn't know what it's talking about that's classified as this and this is classified as this and i'm like the bible wasn't using our our classification system anyway that's a frustration for me
0: <laughs> yes it's, it's a lot of subjectivity in it all i've found and i've been investigating it for the last couple of years off and on i'm involved in a lot of projects, and that's just one. <laughs> wow. Okay, let's go on. Um, here's a quote from some Russian uh, experts. He said, There would be no place for mammoths in the present Arctic tundra of Eurasia with its dense snow driven by the wind. So, again, uh, they couldn't live there today. So the uniformitarians are have a lot of, a lot of problems explaining this. Anyway, what about us? What about creation scientists? And here's the options. And I'm only going to go through uh, A and C. And we start with A. Well, the idea of a quick phrase early in the flood is you got mammoths uh, peacefully eating grass and buttercups. Why buttercups? Well, buttercups are found in their mouths and stomach. So people kind of play on that. Um, Buttercups grow in Siberia today. So oh, they, I was going to ask, what kind of climate did buttercups grow in? So a lot of variety, a huge variety of climate, mild and, and even cold, uh, okay. of course, in the summertime. And then suddenly uh, they froze instantly uh, down to minus 150 degrees centigrade. And yeah, that's the belief. That's um, pretty radical. So let's analyze it. Um, first of all, let's talk about evidence against a flood death, and then I'll talk about evidence against a, a quick freeze. Anyway, evidence against a flood death is that the woolly mammoths are part of a northern, post flood northern hemisphere steppe community. A wide variety of mammals, like I said, 40 of them in Siberian Alaska. Um, but they're just part of that community. And so why would that um, be a flood uh, scenario? They're generally absent in glaciated areas. So that gives you a hint that maybe they're associated uh, with the ice age. They're also drawn on cave walls in the Ural mountains and as well as caves in Europe. And so, uh, you know, caves are post-flood, obviously, and so they must have seen mammoths. And so that's evidence that, hey, they lived during the ice age. Also in northwest Siberia, their bones are found on top of glacial till. That's the glacial debris left over after uh, the ice uh, um, melts, and uh, and so that's that's where you find them in northwest Siberia. And if they died in the flood, they'd be at the and early in the flood by some exotic mechanism. They would be at the bottom of the sedimentary uh, uh, layers. But we don't. We find them at the top in permafrost. They're not even uh, sedimentary layers. They're sediments and they're uh, permanently frozen. So so the sedimentary
1: layers would have been laid down during the flood and we don't find those in the sedimentary, They're actually above
0: that sedimentary. Yeah. And we find them at the bottom of the of the sedimentary layers also. But we don't. Oh, interesting. There's okay. a lot of sedimentary layers in Siberia too, I might add. So here's a little so find them at the
1: bottom of the sedimentary layers and in top on in the firm in the permafrost.
0: No, if it was just from early in the flood, they would be at the bottom of the sedimentary uh oh, layers only. I gotcha. And we don't only find them there. We don't find them down there. We find them after the sedimentary layers are all put down. We're finding them in the soil above the sedimentary layers. Got it. So, and here's the distribution of woolly mammoths. That's the red area. And they're not found in areas where the ice occurred in central and northeast Canada, Greenland, of course, and in northern uh, Scandinavia. So they're found all over the northern hemisphere. So this is an indication that they're associated with the ice age. And the idea of a quick freeze, whether we're talking about early in the flood or at the end of the ice age, there's evidence against that. Mainly the idea of a quick freeze is that they're all frozen suddenly. There should be millions of these carcasses around, but there aren't, Uh, there's a small number. In fact, there's less than a hundred carcasses found in the permafrost. And a carcass is defined as even any scrap of flesh. So a lot of these carcasses are just partial. There's some whole. There's maybe two dozen that are are fairly whole, but that's small. I mean, you should see millions of of them uh, frozen in their tracks and covered up. It was an instant quick freeze. Now the idea is that it suddenly dropped. The temperature suddenly dropped to minus 150 degrees centigrade below zero. That's the idea of a quick freeze. Also, when you examine the carcasses, they're partially decayed, and that's going to take some time. A quick freeze, they would be uh, well preserved. Uh, the flesh would be well preserved. Also, there's fly pupae associated with the bones and carcasses. In other words, flies lay eggs. They had time to lay eggs on carcasses. That's a that's going to take some time. So it's no instantaneous quick freeze. Also, when you examine the vegetation in their stomach, the. It, it, it gives, uh, for different mammoths, it gives different seasons of death. So that's not an instantaneous quick freeze at at one particular hour. Also, we find stomach contents in partially preserved U.S. mastodons. and If we could find them in U.S. mastodons, which are like woolly mammoths, uh, it should not be a big mystery to find them in Siberia. And no one suggests a quick freeze for these mastodons in the u.s so the, some pretty good evidence against the quick freeze yeah because I, I had assumed that
1: most of them were found inside first of all i thought it was glacial ice uh, i thought it you know felt like it like it snowed really fast packed them up so much they couldn't even fall over and die you know so that's what i had been taught and then they're covered up and i assumed most of them were like that and that's not the case we find only a couple actually in quote ice and the ice isn't even glacial ice so interesting um
0: yes um and and the lowlands of siberia and alaska were not glaciated They're they're found in the non-glaciated areas of alaska and siberia only the mountains were glaciated which is a major mystery of glaciology when they run their climate models to try to produce an ice age they discover hey it glaciates all over alaska and siberia (laughs) In the wrong locations <laughs> so. <laughs> so they definitely got something wrong there wow yeah uh, okay um i've i've uh, talked about a there it was not a quick freeze early in the flood what about a slow to moderate freeze at the end of the post-flood rapid ice age is that a good hypothesis well hey so before can... you go there
1: before you go there because i have a feeling you really like this model My problem is, I'm already at the half hour mark, and I gotta let social media go. Guys, I'm so sorry. Please come over to creationtoday.org. You can come to creationtoday.org and watch the rest of this show. Uh, So please come on over and join us at creationtoday.org. Before we let you go though, Mike, you've got several books you've written and some different resources that are available. Give me the website that they should go to so that they can actually get a hold of your resources.
0: Well, you can get them from the main creationist organizations uh, and and master books, but um, I'm going to have them listed on my website, uh, just listed. I'm not going to be selling things from my website, which is uh, michael.org, O-A-R-D-S. It's plural because my son, uh, David, was part of it at one time. Uh, I think it's .NET. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Michael Ord's. We'll get
1: it right, and we'll put it on the screen. No, okay, no, yeah.
0: It. See, I don't call it up. I just automatically hit a button, so I don't know what. The... <laughs> I think it's net.
1: <laughs> That's funny. No more typing that in. Well, guys, I want you to get all Mike's information. He's spent a long time researching this, and and I got to ask you, as a weatherman, what's your percentage, buddy? Like, how often did you get it right? Were you did you do pretty good or? You like our weathermen today where we're like i mean we're down here in the south where it's changing all the time i don't know if
0: you were changing in down in florida
1: <laughs> changing all the time man it's gonna rain on friday oh no 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 70 oh now down to 30 oh back up to 90. oh i mean man it's all over the place down here
0: oh yeah i can tell you a lot about it do you have another hour and <laughs> not for these guys
1: maybe we could talk about how to tell the weather uh, on another show that'd be great well guys, get a hold of Michael's information. He's written some great resources. He's got some great articles. Matter of fact, if you go to searchcreation.org, that's our search engine, it indexes the top 43 websites in the world on apologetics, searchcreation.org, and you just type in his name, you'll see lots of his articles on multiple websites and you'll really enjoy reading those about Ice Age, about the mammoths, all that stuff. If you wanna catch the rest of this conversation, Come on over to creationtoday.org. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next week. Okay, let's get into this one because I think this is probably the one that you lean towards based on the way the talk is, the conversation's going here. So let's go into what you think and why you think it.
0: Okay.